Welcome back for uh, part two of our series, Standing Strong. And I'm so glad you're here for that. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time together. We're going to learn something together uh, this morning. I, I don't want to give away where we're going next week. I want to just say um, it would be well worth your time. I know you're planning on being here because you're a Christian and you plan on being here anyhow because this is your church home. But it will be well worth your time uh, to be with us uh, next week. Thank you. Um, and, and it would be worth it just to come and see our three uh, smart grandkids that are going to be here next Sunday. So it, it'd be, uh, they will be here. And, and uh, so we're excited about that. Our whole family, they're coming in Thursday evening. And so we were FaceTiming them. I, I wanna, how many of you ever use FaceTime? How many of you? I never had. I'm like, I don't need FaceTime. I don't need it. Don't need it. Don't care. It's just something, another distraction in my life. I don't, I don't need it. And then when the grandbabies were up in Illinois, I needed FaceTime. So we were FaceTiming this week, and everybody's talking, and I'm not sort of in the picture yet talking to them. I want to do that, but I can't get to them yet. But I heard Brody, the two-year-old, I heard his voice above everybody else's say, Where's Papa? And so needless to say, he gets a special gift next week while he's here. So I'm going to make sure of that. So uh, it's going to be a great week next week. And it's a story. Let me just say this. And I, I want to give more preview, but I'm not. I mean, just, you think that you fully know the story that we'll talk about next week out of Daniel. You feel that way because I felt that way. But I'm telling you, once I dug in, it is incredible what plays out. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because we want to go back uh, this morning as we go back. Uh, last week, we were in Daniel chapter 1. Today, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4. Uh, last week, our focus uh, in that we talked about, and the whole series is about standing strong, but in different kinds of ways. And we're going to see that again today, but how that you and I need to do the right thing at the right time and in the right way. And that's going to have a carryover thought for today, but doing the right thing at the right time and doing it in the right way. If you happen to miss week number one, then you can go to church's website. You can watch the service online. You can listen to it. Uh, you can actually take the service. And those of you, if you're like me, you're a little bit of a podcast junkie. You can actually download, uh, you know, the messages on podcast. If you missed last week, you can listen to it. Uh, that way. But I want you to stay just in step with us in this series because each week sort of builds upon the next week. Now, ahead of you, I want to just say this because this is going to take us to chapter four. Ahead of you at some point, for all of you, there's going to be a situation, most likely, let me put it in a, in a plural context, there are going to be situations. I would like to think that for you or for me, there will only be one of these opportunities, but there will most likely be many more where you and I, again, plural situations, where you and I are going to have to stand up for what is right, and it's going to involve somebody that we love and somebody that we care about, such as a family member or a friend. And how it generally plays out, and I don't look for these experiences, I don't necessarily like these experiences, but this is generally how it goes. There's somebody that we love, and there's somebody that we care a lot about, and, and they are just barreling down the wrong path. 
They're making unwise decisions. They're making poor choices. And you and I, in that moment, we have a decision that we can make. We can either decide that we're going to warn them that the bridge is out, so to speak, like, hey, if you keep on this path, on this road, up ahead, you're headed for some problems. And you and I can either do that or what we can do is just virtually do nothing and allow this family member or friend, somebody that we love and care about, whoever that person might would be, to just continue to careen out of control. Now, let me just say this. There is a right way to have those kind of conversations, and there's a wrong way. And if we do it the right way, then what's What's typically going to happen is it's, it's going to have a helpful measure to it. Sometimes people won't listen. They just keep doing, obviously, what they want to do. But sometimes God uses those moments where somebody is like an aha kind of moment for them. And they're like, you know what? Now that you've brought that to my attention or now that I see that or, you know, I've been so uh, thick in the forest, I haven't been able to see what you're talking to me about. And a lot of times what God is going to do when we stand up, Again, we do it the right reason. We're not looking for confrontation. We're not trying to correct everybody. We're not, we're not going over the top about, you know, being judgmental. All of that would be wrong. But we have a right heart. It's the right time. It's the right reason. We're going to do it in the right way. And God uses that uh, to help somebody. Now, as I share this talk with you today, and we're about to get to this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has, but as I share this talk with you, uh, I am mindful that every person here either leans in the direction of being confrontational or passive. Uh, it's hard to be completely neutral, somewhere in the middle. I mean, we reach for that, but that's hard to be because every person, for the most part, I believe here, you have a natural bent that fits your personality and your temperament and... Um, and you, you may be a person that if you lean one direction over the other, you would lean toward being more confrontational. Some of you so lean in that direction, it's like you're always on ready to be confrontational. It's almost like you're looking to be confrontational. And it's dangerous. I don't know if I'll have a lot to, to say about that, depending on time this morning. But uh, sometimes, and again, I'm not saying it's a bad person that their heart is all fouled up. I'm not saying that. Uh, but I will say if somebody's natural bent is to be, let me say it this way, overly confrontational, that kind of person can make me very, very nervous. Now, here's what also can make me nervous is somebody who, who is not slightly, but they have a strong bent toward being uh, passive, passive, uh, passivity. Uh, they, they lean in that direction and it's a conversation. You know, they, they would rather not confront about anything, anytime, anywhere with any person because there is a natural kind of resistance that this person would have 
toward the pressure and the pain of a difficult conversation. So one person is like on go, ready to confront at a moment's notice. Their light would be overly confrontational, whereas somebody on the other side of the spectrum would be like, I know I need to have this conversation, but I, I, you know, I don't have the guts to have it. Or, you know, there's going to be some pressure or pain of having this conversation, and I would rather not have to deal with the net effect of that, so I'm just going to clam up, I'm going to butt my lips, I'm not going to say anything. And so all of us, we have uh, one way or another that we lean, but what you and I want to do is we want to find our place somewhere in the middle where we're not eagerly to confront But if God leads us to have a difficult conversation with somebody, we're willing to do that. Now, obviously, any time something like that is going to happen, we need the wisdom of God because there is, listen now, there is a right time and a wrong time to have a difficult conversation. There just is. And and you can assess that. You can have the emotional intelligence. God can give that to us, and and we can lean toward that and pray for that and ask God to give it uh, to us so that we say, all right, this is a conversation uh, that I need to have with somebody. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for them. It's not going to be easy for me. But is it the right time? And sometimes it's going to be a right conversation that needs to be had, but the timing is not right. And that's where we need the wisdom of God. So there's a right time and there's a wrong time. There's a right reason and a wrong reason. Again, if you happen to be a person that you're sort of sewn up to be overly confrontational, uh, you're going to confront over the smallest of things that you really ought to just let go. That, you know, making a mountain out of a molehill, as the old expression says, it's not it doesn't have to be a big issue, and you shouldn't make it a big issue. But again, you got to be on guard because you can take something that doesn't even, you know, require confrontation, and you can make an issue of it and uh, when it ought not be. And so there's a right reason and a wrong reason, and there's certainly a right way and a wrong way. And you do this, you have these kind of conversations And not because it's easy and not because you enjoy those kind of conversation. It's simply at the basis of it, when you just distill it all down, you have the conversation. And this is where we want to get. All right. So track with me on this. Here's the reason we have the conversation. This ought to be the motivation. The impetus of it is that we care enough about this person and we love this person enough genuinely that we're willing to have a conversation with them that otherwise we simply would not want to have. And it may be with a son or a daughter who is making some terrible decisions. And again, we got to do it at the right time in the right way for the right reason. But some of you that are seated right here, right now, you've got a son or a daughter, you've got some kids that they're whatever age they're at, and they're just making like poor choices. And you're like, what am I going to do about this? I'm just, you know, I can sit on the sidelines or I can pray that God would give me the wisdom to say the right thing at the right time in the right way. And so that may be a conversation that you're going to have to have at some point with your son or daughter. It may be a conversation with a friend that is uh, drifting downstream, spiritually speaking. I, I had to have one of those conversations with a pretty long-term friend not too long ago. We've got a great friendship, but it was just one of those moments. And by nature, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for 
for confrontation. If I lean any direction, I've got to make myself have these conversations. Because, and I'm just being vulnerable because I would lean in the direction of being more passive. I, you know, I just want to, you know, God just work it out. I don't want to involve myself in this. I'd rather not and just leave it alone. So that is my nature. I've sort of disclosed that to you. So in those moments, I had to pray and I had to ask, God, please help me because I know I need to do this. I don't really want to do this, but I pray that you would give me the courage to have a conversation that, that really needs to be had. So it could be a, a, a friend. It might just be a family member, somebody that is in your family, that they're just always angry and they're always judgmental and they're always creating drama. And I don't want you to raise your hands or nod at anybody, but somebody probably comes to your mind and it's just like somebody in the family has eventually got to stand up and say, this is not right. We're not going to continue this way. We are from this point forward going to instill some boundaries and these boundaries are not going to be crossed. And if so, you know, we're going to have to talk about this again because every, every family, let me just say this, every family that I know for the most part has somebody in it that is creating a little family drama from time to time. And let me just say this, if you can't think of a family member like that, it's you. <laughs> You're the one. You say, I, 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 can't, I can't think of anybody. Not in my family. You can't think about them because it's you, everybody else in your family. But that's a whole nother story. And I don't even want to, why do I do that? So I just thought, or it may be that there's a close friend that they're just like reckless with money. And you're like, you know what? Um, I see that this is adding all kind of stress to your life. And I, I'm not trying to infringe myself and your money matters. And that's all private. And you need to do that. But hey, on Wednesday nights at the church, we've got this financial peace university. Here's this book by Dave Ramsey. Here's a podcast. Here's something. If I can help you in any way, you know, and, and you just, it's not a conversation that you're looking to have, but, but you just feel like maybe God would want you. Your heart is right. You're going to do it at the right time. You're going to do it for the right reason because you love them and you care for them. And that's the priority of it. You're not trying to straighten anybody out. You're not the expert. You're not doing it arrogantly. You don't have an attitude about it. You're not like the smartest person in the world, but you just sense that God would want you to help somebody. And it might be a situation where you're like, I really, but I know that God. So this leads us up to the edge of Daniel chapter four. And the key players mentioned here again this week are Daniel. And how many of you remember the name of the king from last week? Say it out loud. Who is it? Nebuchadnezzar. Great. King Nebuchadnezzar. By the way, uh, some of you may not know this, but, um, but Saddam Hussein of Iraq, you remember him from years ago, uh, he saw King Nebuchadnezzar as his ultimate hero. And I told you that Nebuchadnezzar was a really, like a really, really wicked guy, really bad guy. What he did was like really bad. You saw what he did, you know, with Jerusalem, destroyed the city, burned the temple to the ground, took, uh, we talked about that last week, you know, the religious symbols and items out of that, brought these young men, Daniel and his friends, uh, you know, to Babylon and trained them in the language, literature. We got into all of that. Now, some people, back to Sodom Hussein for just a moment, some people have said that Sodom Hussein actually thought that, uh, that he was reincarnated, that 
that he was King Nebuchadnezzar in a previous life. So that's, that's what some people, you know, he is crazy in a lot of reasons, and that would be yet another one. But here's the setting. Uh, God causes Nebuchadnezzar to have this outrageous dream. And when he awakens from this dream, he's like totally freaked and he desperately seeks out somebody to interpret this dream because he's like, man, I've just had this, this crazy, crazy dream. How many of you have ever had a crazy dream before? Just wave at me like this. How many of you had a crazy dream last night? Just wave at me. Okay. Maybe we can talk about it next, next year. All right. So, uh, because I have my own crazy dreams and I can't keep up. You ever have this dream, huh? You ever have this dream where you're running from somebody that's like, they're like really angry, like a homicidal maniac. You ever had this dream? Now, when you're running from them in your dream, are you running fast or slow? I'm always running slow. I mean, they're bare, and I'm running. How many of you uh, ever have this dream where you're like falling? Like, ah, yeah, you ever have that? Okay, two of us. Wow. <laughs> Thank goodness I see the therapist again this week. Talk that out a little bit. I have this dream from time to time, Dr. Hackett, where I've worked so hard, hours and hours and hours, working on a talk, and then I get here and I stand up, and I'm like, where, where are my notes? I'd like to at least have them handy somewhere to guide me a little bit. And I'm like, where are, have you ever had that dream, Dr.? You've had that? So, all right, so that makes me feel a little bit better. But uh, wave your hand if you've ever had a crazy dream. Wave at... Nebuchadnezzar has a crazy dream, and he's like, I don't have a clue what this means. He would like to have it interpreted. It's really important. So he calls in all of his magicians, enchanters. This is what the scripture says, astrologers, divineers. And this is what he says. He lays out the dream, and he says, okay, boys, here's the dream. Tell me what it means. And they're all standing around, and they hear the dream. Now, a little debate. We don't know. See, if the scripture is clear on something, we need to be clear on it. If the scriptures are not clear on something, we shouldn't say definitively that we know that we know that we know that it happened this way. We can say, hey, there's speculation or some scholars have thought or theologians think that it could be. So we can only, in this regard, left to speculation, not on the dream, but the reaction of all these divineers, astrologers, magicians, uh, you know, and here's where there's a little bit of debate. Some would say that they cannot interpret the king's dream. Others feel that they could, but they won't because of the nature. They're like, oh, king, we just, we don't know. Like, wow, that's a crazy dream, king. And man, we just don't know. And sorry, you know, we try to be good and we normally bat pretty well and our average is up high. But this one, this one just, and so they, they either cannot interpret the dream or they like they could, but if they interpret this crazy dream and they really do understand it, and Daniel does, and you're going to see this in just a moment, they're like, man, the king is just going to lop our heads off because uh, if we tell them what this dream is really all about. So they're not doing it. And so the king calls for Daniel. Now, we learned last week. I don't know. I'm, I'm just checking. We learned last week in chapter one, how old was Daniel and his friends? About how old? 12 to 15. Yeah. About 12 to 15, by the time we come to chapter 4, he's probably 45 to 50 years of age. And so by this time, he's been in Babylon that long. And so uh, he and the king have like a three decades long kind of relationship. Uh, Daniel knows the king. Doesn't mean he approves of what the king does. Uh, the king knows Daniel. And so this is... Uh, 
um, a relationship that has been ongoing. So he sends all the diviners, all the magicians, astrologers, enchanters out of the room. He calls Daniel and uh, he says, Daniel, uh, I, I had this really crazy dream. And these guys, they don't know the interpretation. Perhaps because it seems to be something you're gifted with, maybe you could help me with a dream. How many of you would love to know this king's dream? Would you love to know it? Surely you would, right? Let's take a look at it. This is, this is like crazy. I've never, this is crazy. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. This is chapter four, beginning in verse nine. These are the visions. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking to Daniel. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked and there before me stood what? A tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. Look at the next part. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. You could see it from anywhere. Its leaves were beautiful, its food abundant, and on it was food for all. It continues. Look at the rest of it. Under it, the beast of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the vision of the dream, I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. Look at this next part. He called out in a loud voice, cut down the tree, this big tree, this huge tree, trim off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Next part. But let the stump and its roots, what's left, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Next part. And let him live with the plants. Uh, let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times or seven years pass by for him. Daniel, that's it. What does it mean, dude? That's it. Tell me. I'm waiting. I called in the guys. They couldn't help me. And at this point, now you're not there yet. You're, you're about to get there. But at this point, I imagine Daniel is like, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. It's not good. Why? Like, like, why? I mean, why do, uh, you know, why did God bless me with this gift? And maybe, maybe what I'll tell the king. All right, I got to think of something quick here. Okay, I think I've got it. King, I'd really like to help you with this. Perhaps you haven't heard yet, but I actually retired from dream interpretation last year. Playing a lot of golf, having a good time, but I'm not into dream interpretation anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. And so, you know, I can't really help you. Now, Daniel has not gone looking for this to happen, but it is definitely the right time and he's going to handle this the right way because, and you've got to understand this, he, he's not like trigger happy. He's not like, mm, I'm, I'm, I've been looking for an opportunity to get back at this king. This is my shot. It's taken me 30 years, but this is my chance. No, Daniel legitimately cares about the king. And so he's going to respond are you ready for this? Look at what happens next. Verse 22, look at what he says. Oh, king, look at these four words. You are that tree. See, you got to go, got to go, got to leave here. You're the tree. You have become great and powerful. 
like the tall tree that touched the sky. Your power reaches to the far parts of the earth. King, you said in a dream that, that there was this big tall tree reached the sky. Animals found shade under it. Birds, fruit fed all the animals. Uh, King, I hate to tell you this. You're that tree. Look at verses 25 and 26. You will be driven away from people and will live. This is going to happen to you, king. And you're going to live with the wild animals. You're going to move out of this place. And you're going to live with the wild animals. And you will eat grass. Remember last week we talked about in chapter 1 how that uh, initially it was proposed to Daniel and his friends that, that they would have the chance to eat food from the king's table. Guess what? The food, he's got a little diet change about to take place because now he's going to eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Look at the next part right here. Seven times, seven years will pass by for you until, until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives to, and gives them to anyone he wishes. Last part. Look at it right here. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its root means that your kingdom will be restored to you. Look at this. It's not going to happen until you acknowledge that heaven rules. Man, what a dream. Would you agree? Wave at me. Is that not? How many of you know if you're Daniel? Because if you said something, I mean, it wasn't like it is today. If you just said something and the king didn't like it, he could just take you down right then, right there. But Daniel had the courage and he cares about the king. And he's just like, king, I just hate to tell you this. You're that tree. Now, he could have stopped right there. Because Nebuchadnezzar has only asked for the interpretation of the dream. Daniel, I'm going to kill you. No, no, no. King, you asked me, I've only done what you've asked me to do. Didn't you ask me to interpret the dream? Yep, that's all I've done. Now, he could have stopped right there, but you're about to discover that Daniel has the courage to stand strong, even though it could cost him his life. Now, he's not angry about this. He's not going to be angry about what happens next. Certainly, he's not thrilled about what he's about to say to the king. In fact, because Daniel does care about Nebuchadnezzar. You've got to see this next part. It's fascinating to me because he cares so much for the king. He takes a deep breath and then he takes a huge risk and check out what he says in this next verse. Look at what he says. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. And here it is. Renounce your sins. Stop sinning. You didn't ask me for my advice. You asked me for my interpretation. But while I'm here, King, and I really care about you, 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 you know, I want to see God bless your life. I, I don't want to see all these bad things happen to you. And so, King, would you, I want to just toss this out. What you do with it is up to you. And that's many times when we're having a conversation with somebody. We can't tell. How many of you have ever tried to tell somebody what to do and found out that it doesn't work? How many of you know people in your life, they don't always do what you want them to do? And so you're just saying, hey, we're having, and that's what he's saying. King, you do with this whatever you, you will. But I'm just asking, would you please, would you, would you prayerfully consider heeding my advice? And my advice to you, stop sinning. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be, it's possible, it's not too late. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. But king, that's up to you. I don't know what you're going to do with it. But Daniel's standing there. And again, all he was asked to do is give the interpretation. 
But he offers some advice, and he's like, King, before I go, I just want you to be clear on this. God would really, really, really like to bless your life. God would really, really like to bless your life. Have you ever had that conversation? God, God has a plan for you. God's got a good plan for you. And because I love you enough, because I care for you, and, and you know, I'm not trying to be intrusive in your life, and I'm not trying to tell you what to do, and I'm no better than you are, and I've got my own issues and my own problems. So I'm not trying to do that. But you know what? God wants to bless your life. God's got a good plan for you. And just as your friend, just as your family member, just as somebody that loves you and cares a whole lot about you, would you just consider this advice? And that's what Daniel's saying. Uh, Daniel's saying, God would really like to bless your life, King, and I would love to see that happen too. However, however, how, and, and then he goes into that. Now, this too I'm just saying it's most likely going to happen to every person here at some point. A much-needed conversation, not with a king, but maybe with a son, maybe with a daughter, a friend, a spouse, a family member. And it will require the kind of wisdom that only God can supply. You're not angry. You're not arrogant. You're not judgmental. You're not better. You're not superior. You're none of those things. But you love and you care. And you, you, you can't tell somebody what to do with their life. No, you know, just somebody can't tell you what to do with your life. You may or may not listen. They may or may not listen. But Daniel, I just love his attitude. King, if you would be, and I think it's bigger than just, you know, he's right with God. He knows, take my head off. I'm going straight to heaven, so no big deal in that regard. Uh, but, but King, I really, I really care about what's going on in your life. And I'd like to see God bless your life. However, now, uh, this past uh, week, anybody watched the national championship game? Anybody? I did. I said I wouldn't stay up till that late, but you know, that late and watch the whole game, but I did. And anybody know who won the game? Yeah, LS, LSU Tigers. Now, their coach is Coach O. He's, he's a colorful personality. But before Coach O, there was a coach, and I know we've got LSU fans here. And before Coach O, there was Les Miles, who was there a long, long time. And I like uh, Coach Les Miles as well. Pre-game, and I'd see this happen from time to time. You know how teams, they're sort of in the tunnel getting ready to run out onto the field. It's pre-game, and the players are hyped, and, and the coach is standing there with them, and the camera's shot, and they're getting ready to run out on the field. Coach Les Miles, I mean the LSU Tigers, they'd be getting fired up like all teams that were going to run on the field. And sometimes you'd see Coach Les Miles and he'd turn his back. And I forget the phrase, but it was something like, it was just sort of a pregame ritual. It was sort of like, settle down, Tigers, settle down, Tigers, settle down. And then when they was announced, like, charge, and man, they, they would just tear onto the field. And if you're a Clemson fan, I'm sorry, they tore onto the field. You know, and it was, it was pretty incredible, to say the least. So the reason I mentioned that, some of you are you're hearing this right now, and you're like, ooh, I've been waiting for an opportunity. I'm one of those sort of confrontational kind of persons. I can't wait. I can think of somebody right now that I want to have a conversation with, and I'm going to set it right. In the words of the theologian, Les Miles, settle down, tigers. Settle down, tigers. Make sure your heart is right. Like Daniel, make sure that your heart is right. 
If you happen to lean in the direction of being confrontational, then just say, you know what? This is not about being right, and it's not about being superior. It's not about being sanctimonious. It is not about being prideful. And the only reason I'm willing to do this is because I love and I care. And I'm going to do it at the right time, and I'm going to do it for the right reason, and I'm going to do it in the right way because I love my friend enough that I, I just want to see him get back on the right path again. Now, you've got to know, if you approach things and you just think that you've got your act all together, um, and that's where, you know, that sort of gives you the validity to be able to approach others, that's a wrong attitude. It's also a wrong attitude to just say, well, you know, because I don't have my life completely together, and because I do have a problem here and there, I can't ever say anything to anybody else. If that happens, you'll never have a conversation with anybody. But again, it's always checking. And a lot of times we think that things are accurate in our estimation, in our mind they're accurate, and then we get into it. If you ever had that, I've had that happen to me. I thought it was this way, but then when I got into the conversation that I thought was going to be, and I I hear it. I'm like, ooh, that's, I've got a little bit different perspective now. And you tweak and you adjust. Now, I love this story. It says a man was perplexed by his wife's refusal to admit that she had a hearing problem. Speaking with his doctor one day, he exclaimed, how can I get my wife to admit that she's hard of hearing? I'll tell you what you need to do, his doctor replied. When you arrive home tonight, peek your head through the door and ask, honey, what's for dinner tonight? If she doesn't answer, go into the living room and say, Honey, what's for dinner tonight? If she still doesn't answer, walk into the kitchen and ask, Honey, what's for dinner tonight? If she still does not hear you, then walk right up behind her and speak directly in her ear. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? Then you're going to be able to convince her of her need of a hearing exam. Great, great, great. He's excited. He's excited. The man responds, I think this is going to work. So that evening. The man arrived home from work. Some of you are ahead of me. Just as he had been instructed, he opened the front door and called out, Honey, what's for dinner tonight? He listened carefully, but there was no reply. He then walked into the living room and repeated, Honey, what's for dinner? He received no answer. He then walked into the kitchen and asked, Honey, what's for dinner? Still, there was no answer. The man walked right up behind his wife and spoke directly into her ear. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? At this, his wife turned around and resolutely replied, For the fourth time, I said we're having spaghetti. Some of you, it took away for it to hit you. <laughs> so sometimes you're going to think you know it, but you don't necessarily know it. Now, the Apostle Paul is especially helpful, and we're about to wrap up, but he's especially helpful in this matter, and we would do well to follow his instruction. Now, take a look. This is Galatians. This is the New Testament. Galatians 6.1. Galatians 6, 1. It's coming. I believe it's coming. By faith. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe it's there somewhere. All right. So I, I've got it uh, right here. So I'll read it. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, listen to this now, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. How do you do it? There it is. You should help them. How? How should you approach them? Gently and humbly. Help that person back onto the right path. These guys always do a great job, by the way. I just mess with them. And look at the last part. And be careful not to fall 
into the same temptation yourself. And what Paul says here just really, really in a huge way parallels with exactly what Daniel is doing in Daniel chapter 4. How do you approach these necessary but not um, ideal kinds of conversation? Is it being reckless or haughty? Absolutely not. Paul said, when you go in, you've got to have a conversation with that. And it's the right time, and you're doing it for the right reason, and you know you're going to do it in the right way. What is the right way? You do it gently. And you do it humbly. And you do it carefully, lest you or I fall into the same temptation or pattern of sin. And our goal here is always restoration. It's restoration. It's really not about being confrontational as much as it is about caring. And it ought to go something like this, I believe. It's not easy for me, and it may not be easy for you. But I just want you to know, I love you enough. I don't, I don't have, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not trying to tell you, but I love you enough to just say something. It'd be easier for me not to say, but I just want you to know the heart. It's not like you're, it's not like settle down, tigers, settle down, tigers, you know, because you're just looking for an opportunity to do that. Back to Daniel one last time. Oh, king, he says, this, this dream is really about you. And I know it has you perplexed and bewildered and bothered, but that tree in your dream, it's about you. I'd love it if you would heed my advice because I really believe that God wants to bless your life. And I'd love to see that happen. But King, in order for that to become a reality, you've got to get on a different path. This path, path is taking you nowhere fast. And the end result, the dead end of this is not going to be pleasant. King, I pray that you'll listen because I'd love to see God bless your life. Now, you keep reading. I don't have time to get into it. I'm out of time. Does Nebuchadnezzar listen to Daniel? <laughs> no. He doesn't. He continues to rebel against God, which I, if I had more time, uh, I'd go with this, but I don't have enough time, so I'll just say it this way. Anytime you and I are going to have this kind of conversation, our responsibility is not that person's response. Our responsibility is obedience to God. Does that make sense to you? Our responsibility is not their response because we don't have any control over that anyhow, our responsibility is before God to be obedient, to go in the right way at the right time and for the right reason. What happens to the king? Exactly those things that Daniel mentioned in the interpretation of the dream. He's, he's no longer... He's no longer in his elaborate palace. He's not eating food from his own table. He's out in the fields with the wild animals. And you read about it, it's despicable. And he's just, he's eating food like he's, he's cattle. And he's, he's crazed. He's out of his mind. He's insane. It's a horrible way to live. And he lives that way for a good long while, for years. Because he wouldn't listen to some good advice that was coming from God through Daniel to help the king out. Well, here's how it ends. I want you to see. I think it's verse 34. At the end of that time, it's been a long time, been several years. This is Nebuchadnezzar. We're back to him. He said, after, you know, at the end of that time, after all of that, and I've been warned about that, Daniel told me. He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I've raised my eyes toward heaven and my 
sanity was restored to me. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified God who lives forever. Look at this. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. So eventually he listens, but it takes him a long, long time. Now, as we wrap up, first of all, I'm going to ask you to do this. Assess your natural bent. For me, I just was vulnerable. I would lean towards just my personality. I would just lean toward being on the passive side. But I've just learned over the years, if I really need to do and it's not me and it's God or I'm sensing that it's God, it's not like I have an audible voice or we're, it's just like I sense that God wants to use me to help somebody that I love and care about, well, then I've got to like talk myself into it. I'm not like standing on go, like just give the word. I'm ready to tear into somebody. That's, that's not. So you've got to assess your natural bent. Having done that, realize that in the future, near or distance, you're going to sense that God is going to ask you to take a breath and to take a risk and to say somebody that you love and care. I just see where this, I think I do, where this may be going. And uh, I love you too much. And you don't have to listen to me. That's going to be up to you. And my responsibility is not really your response. But I love you enough and I care about you enough to, and then you just take a risk. You've already evaluated and again, I've, I've just, I was also vulnerable. People that are like trigger happy to confront, people like that just scare the wits out of me. Because I've been around church long enough, and I've been around families long enough, and people around long enough, I see people sometimes do more damage than good when they're hard, and it's not the right time or right reason or right way. And they end up, there's more collateral damage after the fact. And so it's just being real careful and real cautious. But then if you know that you know that you know, you take a breath, and you take a risk. And as you do, be certain that in that conversation, that you're gentle, and you're humble, and you're careful. And by the grace of God, it might just be that you would be used by God. And it may take a long time before you ever see the fruit of the conversation. You may go away, as I've done many times, just say, wow, that was a waste of time. But then later you realize, no, it wasn't a waste of time. I wasn't looking for it because Daniel wasn't looking for it. But God used me. All praise, honor, glory to God. And now this person, by the grace of God, not me, grace of God, they're back on the right path. Let's stand for a closing prayer. So if you think I'm asking you to go hunt somebody down today or this week, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying in the future, in the future, this may present itself to you and you handle it more Daniel's way than maybe you by natural reflex would handle it. And God is able to use it. Now, whatever you do, don't miss Next week. I've got hours already invested in that talk. I'm so excited about it. I actually want to share that message this afternoon, tomorrow morning at the latest. But I got to wait. But I want you to be here because I think God's going to use it for all of us. Father, help us. We just always want to be people who are gentle and humble with others and careful. 
And, and we don't have the right, God, to just go and tell everybody what to do because the person we need to speak to most is ourselves. Because our biggest problem is actually not other people. Our own biggest problem is us. So we don't go angry. We don't go arrogant. We don't go pridefully like Daniel. Perhaps you'd listen to this advice. God wants to bless you. And I want to see that because I love you and I care about you. And God, whenever that moment comes, and for a lot of us, we would hope that it would not necessitate itself. But when it does, we would be ready and available and pliable in your hands, just as Daniel was with the king. And God, we love you so much. Be with your people. And again, I pray that this week and for the rest of this month and year would be the best year they've ever had spiritually. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Love you, everybody. Have a great week.